After dropping the first two games to the Mets Friday and seven straight, the Bronx Bombers return with a vengeance Saturday and Sunday, winning three straight games in the final innings and beyond. We break down the series win. Here our producer Jake yell about Edwin Diaz and Luis Rojas. Can't wait for that. And we look ahead to a key three-game set against the Rays. We also chat with Yes Network Yankees insider Jack Curry about everything going on with the team right now. All that and more next on the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. All rise. Here's a Pinstripe Pod. Welcome to the Pinstripe Pod, our New York Yankees podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Chris Sheeran, alongside my co-host, four-time Yankees World Series champion, Jeff Nelson. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Chris Sheeran. Yes, Nelly is NYNelly43. Subscribe to the Pinstripe Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. But do us a favor, and if you do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars there and write in a nice review. Your support is appreciated greatly. Jack Curry from the Yes Network joins us later in the show. But first, we welcome in uh, my co-host, the four-time Yankees World Series champ, Jeff Nelson. And Jeff, after a rough first doubleheader on Friday where the Yankees should have won both of those games and were set up with their strength at the end of the game with their bullpen and lost both of those on Friday. They win the next three against the Mets and we can't bury the lead. Gary Sanchez's grand slam in the top of the eighth. Let's just start with that and how this could get him going, but just an unreal moment for him in a season that has really been slow. Well, you hope so. And, you know, Aaron Boone, that's something that he had a lot of confidence to put him in there. You know, uh, you needed somebody to go deep and he's hitting a buck 30 on the year. So he's got six homers and that was a big, that was obviously a big hit for him. And the Yankees are so high on Sanchez, you know, because of the power numbers and they still, I mean, I still think he's a decent catcher. He's not a great catcher. He still gets lazy behind there. I don't think you really can trust him a whole lot. Um, I honestly wouldn't mind using him as a trade chip. You know, I don't know if he'll ever be someone that'll hit you 270, 280. Uh, he'll probably hit in the low 200s. He'll wind up knocking in, you know, 80 to 90 runs and hits you 25 to 30 homers. But, you know, he'll strike out almost 200 plus times. And I don't know if that's what you want. And as far as behind the plate, you know, he really hasn't improved that great. I still don't understand, and I've seen it around the league, that all these catchers now are going down on one knee. I, I don't know who's teaching that. I've never seen it before. You know, well, maybe it's, it's something even, new. It's I, not I don't even, know. It's not even one knee. It, his leg is out. And we saw it yesterday uh, during the doubleheader, how when his leg, his right leg is extended outward, and when there's a runner on base, especially in scoring position, that to me is counterintuitive to what you want want your catcher to be able to do behind the plate, especially when you have a guy throwing a sinker, throwing stuff in the dirt, and we saw a wild pitch that could have ended uh, the game awfully for the Yankees. I just don't see it's for better pitch framing. That's what they want to get with this new stance. And 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 Jeff, as you said, it's all over Major League Baseball. But to me, you you have to, when, when the situation presents itself, nowadays it's all about situational baseball and analytics and numbers and this and that. When you have a guy on second base and you still have your catcher down on one leg with a guy who's trying to get people out 
throwing stuff down in the zone and you have the possibilities of pass balls and wild pitches, that catching stance, like I said, it's just counterintuitive. It makes no sense. No, it doesn't. And, and you know, that's where you got to throw the analytics stuff on, you know, the, how they're coming up with all oh, frameability and all oh, this guy was a good framer. And, I mean, come on. <laughs> You know, the umpires the umpires are going to call the ball where they see it anyway. It isn't like catchers are helping these guys out. It used to be that, you know, maybe you could get a catcher that could steal steal a, a strike. I mean, you're not going to steal that anymore. These umpires don't call a lot of pitches outside on the outside part of the plate or the inside part of the plate anymore. Uh, you know, I just don't get it. And I really don't get it. And I don't understand why it's league-wide that you're seeing catchers on one knee. It just doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, I, I know he has this in his head. It's almost like the yips that he has it in his head that anything in the dirt, he's going to have a hard time blocking. Sometimes he doesn't even know which way to turn his glove. Uh, I just think, you know, it, this year's a little different because you this is a trade deadline today. And, and you look out there and what do the Yankees need? And there's not a whole lot out there to give up a player like Sanchez. Maybe next year, maybe going in the wintertime when you're talking about two, 2021, maybe he's a name that's get gets thrown around there and, and they go somewhere else in a different direction behind the plate and have somebody that's a little bit more defensively that can handle some of the pitchers and you can maybe he'll hit you 250, 260. Might not hit you 30 home runs, but you got enough in that lineup that you can make up for that. It's just uh you just maybe this year's just not the year, but it's a good thing that he hit that home run and you're always waiting for him to turn things around. Around. You know, if that's what happens and then Grand Slam helps, then absolutely you're waiting, waiting well, for that, that. But that, it hasn't yet. That decision could have been um, by Aaron Boone. It, it could have worked, could have worked the other yeah, way because, the way. yeah, because of the stretch that Sanchez has had. And, and let's be honest, it, it hasn't been, oh, it's just a couple of weeks. It, it's been the entire season. He's had a couple of games where he's busted out a little bit and he's gotten. Yeah, and that's why you like, think, oh, is it going to uh, turn around then? It doesn't. Yeah, but this. They were they, on the Yes Network yesterday. They they were they they showed a graphic, Jeff. I don't know if you saw it, but it was how many times he has fouled off a meatball type pitch, which is right. right down the middle. And right before he hit that grand slam, there was another one of those situations where they just challenged him. And I, I can't blame Mets pitching for just saying, "Here it is, hit it," because the guy hasn't shown he can catch up to it. And that's what you do if, if you're a pitching staff, Jeff, especially if you're a bullpen and you're paying attention you're watching this guy and he's in his slump and he can't catch up to a fastball, even if it's right down the middle. So why not challenge him? Well, the thing of it is, is I, I, I get that, but again, here, this is where the analytics just crack me because pitchers and catchers aren't watching what hitters are doing. And Hey, Hey, good. Go ahead. Challenge Gary Sanchez. And he's going to run into one every now and then. And that's what he did. He ran into one after fouling one pretty similar pitch. Understand that in some way he was on that and he fouled it off. Then you got to go to something different. You can't keep, you know, you can't keep doing things because of the book says, but that this is the game now. And, you know, we had Coney on last week and I, I asked him, I said, how do you, you know, you have analytics and there's nobody that really understands or watches anymore what hitters try to do to them. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to read my card. I'm going to take it out of my back pocket or flip up my hat and see what I have to do to this hitter. And, and you know, I, I get tired of seeing it, but you know, it's going to continue because they just really don't have any kind of feel for what hitters and pitchers are trying to do to each other. We have uh, so much to complain about, <laughs> you know what I mean? But the Yankees still won the last 
last three of the series. Well, the one nice thing that did happen is Mr. Happ threw an outstanding game after yeah, maybe not too. reaching his we, innings in his uh, in his. Uh, start. And what did we say on Thursday? What did we say on Thursday? You want to be in the rotation, pitch better. <laughs> and guess what he did? He pitched better. So, I mean, now I think it's a point. It, it, it's come to a point with the Yankees, and, and 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 you could speculate all you want, and the reporters in New York love this because the more they dig, the more they think they get. And the more they get hacked to talk, but when when it just comes down to the meat and potatoes of the situation, pitch better, and you'll be in the rotation without being skipped. Well, that's the thing, and and I think you keep hoping that Hap turns the corner as well. You talk about Gary Sanchez; oh, is that home run going to maybe turn things around at the plate for him? Well, with Hap is the same way. You know, he goes out and throws seven in the third shutout ball, and you're like, hey, well, this is what we need. This is what the Yankees need in this rotation behind Cole. I mean, Paxton's down. I mean, you're looking for some of these young guys. Uh, Garcia had an outstanding game in his debut. Uh, you need guys to step up, and I mean, Hap can talk a great game but he's like you mentioned go out and show it you know right. show me instead of talk talk about it and now goes, let's see the next start jeff it goes against everything that we've seen from him from from spring training and and this this is not a knock on hap because he put in the work in the offseason he really did oh and yeah I think, and he's I think a great that, guy i mean you yes root for he him. is you root for he him. is he is he, you know he wears it if he has a bad outing he'll be there in front of reporters he'll answer all the questions he doesn't hide from the media this is not a Indicative of the guy that we know in the clubhouse. I mean, go out there and and pitch better. You know, he put in the work. This is not a guy who uh, in the offseason said, ah, I could just show up at spring training. No, he was down in Tampa because he had an offseason last year. He turned it around in the second half, Jeff. But for the most part, I mean, he looked back at his 2019 and he was like, I have to be better. I have to be better if they're going to bring me back or if I'm going to get, you know, as much money as I'm making now in this contract with another team. And he did put in that work. So that there you can't get upset at him. But where you can't get upset at him is sitting there complaining. I mean, if if this was anyone in the rotation, I, I would be leery of, of just running them back out there. I would. So pitch better and you'll stay in there. And and you brought up Davey Garcia. And I'm, I'm curious as to know what your thoughts on him were, because I was sitting back and watching it, you know, trying not to get too excited as the fan and trying to analyze it, Jeff, as more of the guy who watches baseball and and just, you know, a team anywhere. He could be pitching for a team anywhere. All right, let's just look at this analytically. And those two me's kind of met in the middle. And I was able to dial it down, not get too excited. But he looked, he looked phenomenal. He really did. On that stage, I know there aren't fans, but against the Mets, trying to lock down that doubleheader. He looked very good, especially considering, Jeff, his main problem, according to the Yankees pitching director, Sam Brend, uh, he said his fastball command uh, was his problem. He looked fine with the fastball command yesterday. He did. He looked fine with everything. He didn't even walk a hitter in six innings right. and 75 pitches. So you're like, OK, hey, can you get a, maybe another inning or two out of Tanaka? And 66 pitches and he's done, and a young kid comes up at 21 and gives you 75. Obviously, he has a really good breaking ball. And I like how he changes the eye level of the hitter, and that's exactly what he did. Now, the Mets, I think the Mets have a really good lineup. You know, 
offensively, I, I think they're very strong one through nine. I, I've seen them quite a bit this year. And to go through the lineup like he did, he struck out six, you know, didn't give up a run. He looked very calm and collected out on the mound. His demeanor was outstanding. He didn't look like he was nervous, didn't pitch like he was nervous. He didn't even pitch like this was his debut uh, or even at a tw- as a 21-year-old kid. That's why I think, I mean, we'll talk about the trade deadline, but maybe there's nobody better out there than what you have already in, in a Schmidt that we haven't seen yet. And then also our Garcia that threw yesterday. I mean, if he can throw like this, uh, you know, he's going to give up some runs. But, you know, if he gives you six and gives up three, that's still keeping you in the ball game and still pretty decent, pretty decent job. And you know what, Jeff, not only I know you don't want to mess with him. I know you maybe don't want to put him in the bullpen and, and, and you want to keep him stretched out and you want to keep him starting. And I think he's earned another start potentially maybe when the Yankees have that doubleheader against the Orioles this coming Friday after the series with the Rays. Maybe he comes back into the fray and he's added once again as the 29th man. They get him another start. But you see how his fastball went from 90 miles an hour up and and he topped out at 94. If you bring him in for an inning, regardless of what he is, he's a weapon. I I truly, honest to God, think he's a weapon for this Yankee team moving forward. However they want to use him. You know, you could talk about Phil Hughes in 2009 coming out of the pen, throwing 97 and just being lights out. I know you might not want to do that to the kid. You might want to keep him where he's at because he's that devastating. But with his arsenal, Jeff, I think he would be just as devastating out of the bullpen as well. Yeah, possibly. You know, you almost look like, oh, is this uh, Mariano Rivera? Remember, he started and then all of a sudden became the best closer in baseball. I mean, that's not going to happen. But, you know, I like him in the rotation. I like what I saw yesterday. You know, his changeup his change had a good differential between his fastball and and his the miles per hour and his changeup. I like how he pitched up in the zone and on occasions with his fastball. I like, you know, because his breaking ball is, has such depth to it that it, that's, that's the most important thing to me, that you're changing the level of the hitters. I mean, they're seeing something up around the zone. Next thing you know, that it's dropping off the table. Uh, you just look at this rotation and you look at Cole and, okay, Hap through well, you have Tanaka. The rotation has always been a concern of mine, and, and I don't see anyone out on the trade market that is even worth the Yankees going out and try to get. You know, whether whether it's Lance Lynn, Bauer, you name a couple of them, and, and I don't think they're worth coming to New York. Uh, I, I think Garcia might be one of those guys that you might see in the rotation come time September and moving into the playoffs and possibly maybe if he pitches the way he did this past time and has that demeanor and that attitude that nothing bothers him, uh, that's the kind of guy you want out there. And, and the thing of it is, there's no fans this year. So that really helps, uh, especially in New York. There's no uh, when, extra pressure. Yeah. Right. I mean, all the pressure's off. And and I, I think that was a, a great thing with, with Cole in some way. You know, when you have that fan pressure, you have that media pressure all over you, and you don't have that. You, you know, you don't, I mean, the media can talk to you via Zoom. But other than that, you're not seeing these guys in your face every single day and you're not having the fans jump all over you because it doesn't matter if it's new Yankee Stadium or old Yankee Stadium if you don't do well they're gonna jump on you and and, sometimes it affects guys I like poking the bear and the bear in this case is Nelly and the poking of the bear in this case is the shift because I know how much Jeff loves the shift and I want to bring this up because I want to go back to game one of the doubleheader on Sunday and when the Yankees started to come back there were two outs the Mets overshifted Luke Voigt to uh, the left side. Check swing. 
on a ground ball that a little leaguer at second base could have fielded and fired and got void out at first base. The Yankees score two runs and they come all the way back, tie the game at seven and win it in extra innings. I know the shift does help in some situations, but this just goes to show the point we make all the time, Jeff. And and Voigt didn't mean to do this. I mean, it was just a check swing fluke thing. Yeah, he's just wanting to ground into the left right, side. Right, right. But right here, right there, that is exact. This is what sparked the Yankees' comeback. They were still down. 7-2. They scored right. five runs with two outs, and those were the first two runs that scored on that check swing. Jake sent, our producer Jake Brown sent me notes. It said, seeing eye single. Let's change that to shifty eye single. <laughs> that ball could have been Ray Charles blind and still made it through the infield because there was nobody there, Jeff. There was I nobody know. there. Know. But teams do it, and you know they feel that you know, analytically that they have uh, statistics on guys, the way they hit, the way they hit the ball in the air and they, they'll shift. Sometimes you'll see them shift the out, you know, the opposite way in the outfield, because that's how they hit the ball in the air. They might go the other way. And then on the ground, they're going to pull. These are hitters. And like you just mentioned, Voigt didn't mean doing mean to do that. I mean, he he's a pull hitter and he's, you know, a lot of these guys don't know how most guys don't know how to hit the other way. Uh, you know, that's my big thing. If you're, you know, if you're going to continue to hit into a shift, then they're going to shift you and sometimes it's not going to work and sometimes it's going to bite a team it bit the Mets bit the Mets in the butt and, and you know what good for us because we're going to enjoy a steak dinner because of that stupid little <laughs> CNI or shift eye single because uh, somebody sat there and talked crap a little bit early like all Mets fans do and and all Mets players wind up doing it reminded me of 2000 when uh, you know you have Agbayani and Wendell saying oh these guys are old and they're going to beat us in five and well we wind up beating them in five and as soon as I saw that text or that tweet by Jake Brown saying oh one more win and we're going to enjoy a steak dinner I said okay it's over they're done I don't care what's going to happen in Sunday the Mets are just not going to win Jake your thoughts uh, let, me, <laughs> let me just set the scene for you Friday I'm in fantasy land I'm, I'm drunk the, I'm walking the streets I'm Rosario hits a walk-off two-run homer. Right after that happens, I'm getting Taco Bell and reading the fact that Steve Cohen's about to own the team. And Friday felt like I was in la-la land with, uh, I said Jake Gyllenhaal, but it was actually Ryan Gosling uh, the last time we discussed la-la land. I felt like I was in a scene in la-la land. And then Saturday comes. Dellen Batances gets uh, the Rick Ankeel treatment. The yips come. Uh, and then we learned that it was a lat injury. He throws a ball while. And then Sunday comes, guys. And what happened Sunday in both games is absolutely inexcusable. When will Luis Rojas learn that Edwin Diaz can't pitch in the final inning of a game, whether it's the seventh of a doubleheader, the eighth of an extra inning doubleheader, the ninth of a regular 2019 or prior baseball game, or any kind of final inning where he has blown 10 save opportunities. He's had 28 saves. He's blown 10, the worst in baseball. He's 28 for 38 with a 580 RA, and he had the audacity after the game to say, we still trust him. We still love his stuff. And that's when he's going to get the ball when there's tight situations. When do you learn? It's just like, uh, I, I can't. Maybe you and Figgy can call or, or text uh, Diaz and Rojas and see if they'll chip in some of the money that uh, you guys are going to have to spend. <laughs> Maybe you guys can do that. And I want to know, by the way, what does this include? Does this include alcohol? Because if it does... <sighs> I mean, now you're getting greedy. Um, <laughs> we have appetizers coming here. What, what, what do we got going on? We're here? poor. We're Mets fans. We're poor. Um, but 
Guys, I mean, when do you learn from a situation? Why not trust another pitcher? Why not let Hughes go? You talked about there were two outs. This all happened. The walk, the hit by bitch. Also, you didn't mention on that void, what'd you call it? Shifty eye single in a right field. The runner was out at third, but Jimenez lost the ball. He caught it. He tagged his leg and the ball went flying. That was the second error of the inning, which led to only one earned run. So Diaz's numbers weren't getting blown up because he didn't get runs charged to him. Hughes didn't get runs charged to him. And then it comes up with, you know, as soon as Aaron Hicks hit that ball, me, it was landing me, in Staten Island. Let me tell you this, Jake. If you're a pitcher, especially Diaz, and, and you're trying to get a ground ball, and you get that ground ball for the third out, and there's no one playing second base, that's got to spin you into the ceiling. Nelly, if you're a reliever and you're in there and you're trying to get a ground ball and you get it and there's nobody there, I've seen Jake Arrieta lose his you-know-what over this, over the shift. So first... Well, that uh, was Hughes pitching. It wasn't Diaz. That's why Hughes should have stayed in the game because the only... Oh, it's Hughes. You're right. The only things he gave up were walk hit by pitch and the shifty eye single. So... To take Hughes out up three for a pitcher who notoriously gives up game tying and game go ahead homers. I apologize, but it doesn't make any difference who the pitcher is. If you're a reliever, you're trying to get a ground ball, you're trying to get out of the inning, and you get that ground ball. And like I said, Arietta, I've heard him complain about this before in the past, that as 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 early as last season. Nelly, it's got to drive you nuts. It's got to absolutely drive you nuts. If everybody says a pitcher's pitch, you, you make your pitch and then that happens. I mean, that, that would drive me absolutely insane. Well, it does. And, you know, when somebody struggles and all of a sudden you're seeing a ground ball, it's normally an out. And next thing you know, it goes into the outfield. Then it's okay, here we go again. And then you just lose it. And all confidence is gone and everything is just out the window. Uh, but I, I agree with Jake that Hughes should have stayed in. And you got to understand in situations, and we've seen it all year and even last year with Diaz, that he's just not a he's not the same guys that, that he pitched in Seattle and if you noticed over the years and this is with a lot of pitchers that have saved a number of games and all of a sudden this was the first time in his career their career just goes off the ta- off the off the deep end after that I mean he had a great year in Seattle gets traded to the Mets and he's got great stuff but he has no idea where it's going he has no clue no confidence whatsoever you're putting him into high leverage situations where you just have to trust somebody else and it's a good thing that you know Diaz did come in uh you know for the Yankees sake but if you're Hughes I I think you want to be in the ball game, and I think I think it was a mistake by taking him out. This is all a trickle effect, too, guys, of mismanagement of the bullpen, of Steven Matz on Saturday getting hurt. You had to use guys. I mean, Hughes is pitching day after day after day, and even yesterday, while he had a couple command issues, walking hit by a pitch, he, he gave up a, a check swing single and two misplays in the field. That if you if if Jimenez catch, tags the guy out at third, that shifty eye single is a game endy ending endy endy Chavez uh, shifty eye single. <laughs> the game's it over. All, it all blends together, Jake. I, gi- I give up. Together. I give up. <laughs> Enjoy your enjoy your freaking steak <laughs> and, and, right. and alcohol. Fine, can we, fine. Can we agree to at least one bottle of wine? I mean, I don't think I don't think Jeff Nelson and I can truly appreciate the the taste of that steak. And it's not only it's not only going to taste sweet, Jeff, because it's 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 you know going to be top quality uh, beef. It's also going to taste sweet because it's free. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, I want to know, are they feeding us? I mean, do we even have to lift a finger here? I mean, I think that's oh, you, be part of it. Are they going to cut our steak, too? Cut, they I can don't... cut it. This is kind of like when we were little kids. 
No, mom, mom and dad cutting the steak. Hey, Jake, you mind uh, carving this up a little bit? I'm shook to my core right now. Maybe feathering <laughs> us, maybe feathering us a la history of the world and Dom DeLuise eating grapes as Julius Caesar. I don't know. We're going to have to think about this. We'll, for a we'll give you like red, red lobster bibs too. We'll, we'll give yeah, you. red lobster. <laughs> That's where we're going to red lobster. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna go to the outback somewhere. That's gonna be the steak. And we'll get a blooming onion. There's the appetizer. <laughs> Jesus. All right, no more talk about steak. Joining us now is uh, Jack Curry from the Yes Network, Nelly and I's uh, colleague over at the Yes Network. You can follow Jack uh, uh, on Twitter at Jack Curry. Yes, and Jack, it's always a pleasure talking baseball with you. Thanks for joining Jeff and I for a couple of minutes here. Uh, Jeff, uh, Jack, let's start basically with uh, the 800-pound elephant in the room, and that is Gary Sanchez. I, I, I want to bring this up with you because I know you and Bob Lorenz talked about it on the post-game show, his grand slam in game two of the doubleheader that gave the Yankees the win. To me, that was a, a, a very interesting move there by uh, Aaron Boone because that could have went one of two ways. It went north, but it could have gone south considering the season that Sanchez has had. It was boom or bust, and it boomed, and that could really jumpstart Gary Sanchez at the plate, Jack. That's the thing that you hope right Chris it almost sounds like a cliche but how often during a season do we hear a broadcaster say or quite honestly a coach or a manager say you hope that's the at-bat or the appearance that helps that player bust out Chris when you go back a day earlier I actually thought that Sanchez should have pinched hit for Kratz on Saturday I said that on our post game a ton of respect for what Eric Kratz has done for the Yankees and as a 40-year-old pack-up catcher he has really already had an impact but as much as Sanchez has struggled on Saturday you needed somebody to hit a fly ball you hit a fly ball and you win the game and the Yankees opted to go for Kratz and in talking to some people around the Yankees they thought at that moment that Kratz had a better chance of putting the ball in play. Gary's struck out a lot. So you're right, Chris. Now the same scenario essentially comes up on Sunday. And this time they did opt for Sanchez. And the grand slam is the final result. But I know you guys watched that at bat as closely as I did. The grand slam is obviously the headline. But it was what Gary did within that at bat. Drew Smith missed wildly with a curveball and a cutter. But how many times have we seen Gary expand the zone in, in a situation where he gets himself out? And so I think not only the grand slam, but the way he handled the at-bat was very important for the Yankees. And again, maybe he can build on this going forward. All right, with that being said, when when is there going to be a time that you just stop hoping? You, you know, he's been such a good talent, but he's just not – in my opinion, put everything together. You know, you got a guy behind the plate that's constantly struggles and, you know, he's gotten a little bit better. And, you know, with the one knee down, I don't understand that. You know, Flash probably doesn't even understand that, John Flaherty. Uh, but when is there a time that the Yankees just say, you know what, we have to move on? Maybe he's a trade chip at some point. I doubt it would be this this year, but maybe in the wintertime or maybe going into 2021. I mean, when, when do the Yankees finally, because I know they're really high on him, when do they just say, you know what, we're, we're just not seeing what we thought we were going to see. Jeff, we talked about this yesterday, Bob and I, before we hit the Grand Slam, and I said, and Meredith was involved in the conversation. Actually, Meredith has me kind of the same question along the lines of that you just asked, and I think you would agree with me in this respect. If this was a starting pitcher, a high-level starting pitcher, we, we've seen this where you give the pitcher a timeout, you skip a start, 
that gives you 10 days to sort of go in a, a bullpen laboratory and figure something out. With, with, a, with a position player, an everyday player, it's hard to suddenly give a guy a timeout unless it really is a timeout, unless you really do say, hey, we're, we're demoting you or we're not going to have you around right now. And I still think the, guy, the Yankees believe in Gary Sanchez. General manager Brian Cashman gave him a vote of confidence the other day within the midst of all that is going on. He said that, that Gary is still their best option. But I want to echo something that David Cohn said the other day. It's the strikeouts are alarming. It's because within the strikeouts, there have been non-competitive, vacant at-bats. And for me, this is the puzzle for the Yankees. You're trying to decide on Gary Sanchez based on who he has been and who you believe he can be versus who he's been this year. And who he's been this year has been a a very troublesome development for the Yankees. Yeah, but Jack, do you take this year as an outlier because of what this year is moving forward? Does that have something to do with it? Or do you think that doesn't have anything to do with this year? No, it does. You, You know that this has been a weird season. It's been a weird season for a lot of players. But until yesterday, Gary Sanchez had really struggled. And I do think on the defensive side, and and Nelly mentioned the the one knee down and how he's had to make an adjustment to that. I I do think that he's done a better job defensively. He's a polarizing player, though, guys. I mean, you you can lay out some accolades and some achievements that Gary Sanchez has had that are elite. He's got 111 career home runs. He's the second fastest player in Major League history to get to 111 home runs. That should be enough on your resume to cover you for for forever, right, guys? But then you look at what the numbers have been recently and even last year's second half, and you know that there should be and could be so much more there. And I know the Yankees know that, too. There's frustration within the Yankees that what's going on with Gary Sanchez and and how do you unlock that talent that they know is there. And another thing that you would think that with no fans in the stands and with the media only being able to zoom you and they're not uh, they're not in your face all the time asking you all these questions and the fans aren't booing you as you come back to the dugout you think that it would have turned around you think that these some of these guys would have been able to relax especially with Gary Sanchez just go out there and play your game and it's almost gone the other way. Nelly I wanted to ask you something and I agree with your point there because things should be a little more soothing. Yesterday, great graphic yesterday where they talked about middle, middle pitches that he has missed. And across the last three years, he had hit something like 375 on pitchers, pitches that are basically right down the middle, meatballs, so to speak. How does a guy go from being dominant in those areas, as a lot of hitters should be, to this year where he had missed all of those pitches, I believe, until yesterday's Grand Slam? Where does that disconnect occur? Well, you can see it in his face that I think he's lost all confidence. And and I don't I don't see a very com- I haven't seen a very confident player over the last few years. Uh, you know, his, his defensive skills are obviously not the greatest. And I think that's gotten to him. Uh, it's, like you mentioned, it has gotten a little bit better this year. But offensively, it's gone backwards. And every time he comes up, I mean, you're just hoping the guy runs into one. And that's what happened yesterday. He ran into one. And, you know, he's not a consistent hitter. Like Coney said, the strikeouts are very alarming. And the confidence level, he, he's not seeing, obviously not seeing the ball well, but he's going up there with the I think the mentality that you know he's just hoping not to strike out I mean I've seen players you know come and say you know they just lose it all together and they just hope okay all I want to do is just make contact or and I just don't want to strike out and there's no there's no aggressiveness or or or, or conviction in that bat I mean pitchers are supposed to have conviction in their pitches you know when they don't that's when all of a sudden everything goes backwards everything goes haywire you leave something out of the middle of the play you have to have confidence in that pitch well it's the same as hitters I think they have 
have to have confidence every time they go to the plate that, you know, with some superstar pitchers, some really aces, you might only see that one good pitch. And if you miss it, you're done. And if he's missing that pitch, you look what's happening. He's striking out all the time. Well, well, and let's be honest, I, I broke down his at-bat and I give him a lot of credit. Gosh, the result was a grand slam. But within that at-bat, we talked to John Flaherty about it. There were a couple of fastballs from Smith that he did miss. There were a couple of fastballs that he could have turned on in that at bat. So, so to your point, great, great point on the confidence issue and the lack of confidence. And, and Jeff, you know this better than anybody. And I've always told people this about Derek Jeter: mental confidence and just mental strength. When you guys get to this level, it is so vital. I know Jeter, and I wrote this. I wrote a book with Jeter, and he said this, and I believe it's true. Jeter could be 0 for 20. And Pedro Martinez could be dealing on the mound. And Jeter would believe that in that 21st at-bat, he was getting a hit. There are guys who go 0 for 5, 0 for 10. There are guys who come out of the bullpen like like you did and, and maybe have a couple of rough outings. It's hard to build up the mental strength sometimes to say, I'm here. I know why I'm here. I'm an elite player. I'm going to go out there and succeed. Sometimes that, that confidence and that mental strength fades away. Uh, you you described to a T uh, Davey Garcia uh, being mentally strong yesterday because he's making his debut. Obviously, there's no fans, so there's no added pressure fans in the stadium, but his mentality was uh, perfect yesterday in his first major league start. They moved him from the right side to the left side of the rubber at the alternate site. That's something he did from summer camp until now. Uh, David Cohn talked about that ad nauseum him during the game yesterday. I thought that was fascinating to listen to him and and hear him describe what that does and what it means. And Sam Brend, uh, the Yankees pitching director, Jack said, you know, he said that uh, his fastball command was out of whack. And that's basically one of the reasons they sent him down to the alternate site. And, and, he, and as Nelly said earlier about his fastball, it had some late movement on it. It was rising. He looked mentally strong and physically strong. And that was a great first start for him. Moving forward, what can you see with Garcia, Jack? Well, how about a next start? How about when they have a doubleheader on Friday and they have the ability to call up a 29th man again? That Garcia, to me, absolutely should pitch one of those games on Friday. And I agree with Nelly and with you, Chris, on, on the late life of the fastball. It, it, it's not always easy to see that in spring training, even when we saw him in summer camp. I, I knew the curveball was a lead. You can see that over-the-top curveball that he has. But yesterday, it was evident that even whether he was throwing 91 or 94, his fastball gets on hitters. And, and it is that late life that you talk about. And he's not throwing 98 or 99 like Garrett Cole, but you can see by batter's reactions that that there is life to that pitch. And I know all of us are pitching nerds in our own way. But I love when Coney broke down the difference of moving on sides of the rubber, as you noted, Chris, and, and how comfortable he is doing that. And he's not flying open now when he does do that. And if you're the Yankees and you're looking at this 21-year-old kid and the composure and the poise that he had in his first start in a big game, you're, you're thinking big things right now for Davey Garcia. Oh, absolutely. And the one thing I liked is how he changed the eye level. It was so important. He has such depth in his breaking ball. Uh, that, you know, when you're pitching upstairs with your fastball, it's hard for hitters to lay off. And the Mets, I think, have a really good lineup. I mean, they don't have a weak lineup. I, you know, I think their bullpen, obviously, is one of their weaknesses. But as far as one through nine, they can do some damage on you. And for him to go through that lineup and pitch the way he did and not walk a batter, not not even be intimidating, 
but being able to use the, the high zone with the fastball, and then you're dropping that breaking ball down the ground and down at the back leg of a lefty, and, and they're swinging over top of it, and they're they're way. I mean, what was it? This breaking ball is what 74, 75 miles an hour, and it has great depth to it. You know that that's tough to hit, and we'll talk about the trade deadline. But you're talking about starters. I don't see any starter out there for any you know worth going out and to get going out to get. You may already have your guy waiting in the wings to help you out in September and in October. Nelly, I said the same thing on our post game to Bob Lorenz yesterday that sure, if you're Brian Cashman, because this is what he does. You're making all your phone calls. You're you're seeing what's out there and what's available. But when you sit down in a meeting, you're saying, okay, Team X wants this for pitcher Y. We have a kid here right now who we're not going to have to give up anything. And there's, what, 28 games left in the season? Maybe we get four or five, six starts out of this kid, and maybe he is better than anything you would potentially bring in anyway. So I think that's an excellent point by you. And uh, I just have to bring this up, Jack, because this was one of my favorite parts of watching baseball all day. As Michael Kay said, it was a good day to lose the remote. And uh, yesterday was definitely a good day to lose the remote and just sink into your couch and watch baseball all day. It was Kratz. As he was going out to catch Garcia before the first inning, he looked back at the dugout and he said, I'm so excited to be catching my son. He's 40, Garcia's 21. That dynamic to me, Jack, growing up with a father who was a catcher and and I pitched and and just seeing that, it it was just, I needed that moment. It, It was so cool to see that happen. And I read today about how Kratz drove home and he had a smile from ear to ear. He just couldn't stop smiling about how Garcia, who, He's caught down at the alternate site and and how he's helped him. And, And that's what you said about Kratz. He has a role, Jack. He knows the role. And this is what he's bringing to the team right there. Uh, they call each other mi hijo and mi padre, my father, my son. And 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 it was just extremely cool to see that all play out yesterday. It was it was wonderful. I agree with you. And I'm and I'm glad you gained so much from that, having a father that caught you. But we talk about no fans in the stands, right? And it's tough. But we heard that because Michael Kay is up in the broadcast booth and they picked up on it. And then, yes, was smart enough to go to one of our cameras and to be able to have that exchange. And then there was a hug from them after the first inning. There was a hug after Davey Garcia left the game. It's the greatest age gap in a starting battery since 1906. So 100% agree with you, Chris. What a what a wonderful baseball story with within that Yankee win. And Kratz has done a really nice job. He's, he started seven games for the Yankees. He's caught a different starter in all seven games. And his catcher's ERA is a shade above two, I believe. So pitchers obviously like throwing to this guy. He's been around a long time. He's logged a lot of innings. He's, he's your Crash Davis type player. But yesterday had to be extremely special for him. Well, I mean, I'm sure you guys have said this as well, and this happens around the league. Look at all the backup catchers uh, that go out and catch these debuts from these young kids. Uh, you, you know, I, I don't think he would have had that kind of outing with Gary Sanchez behind the plate. To break him in with a veteran guy like Kratz, I, I think it was an outstanding standing move, and I obviously it was probably done for a reason. Uh, it, it's done around the league a lot with these backup catchers. They're, they're, their craft is to get guys as deep as they can. They're very comfortable when pitchers are throwing to them, and, and look what happened yesterday. I mean, it was definitely done on purpose, and I don't think it would have turned out that way if Gary's behind the plate. It's kind of interesting, too, Nelly, when you look at it. I mean, Sanchez, 
Higashioka, Ionetta. Kratz was really fourth on the depth chart. <laughs> Ionetta retires, Higashioka gets hurt, and suddenly Eric Kratz is thrust into this position as a 40-year-old and, and has relished it and has flourished in it. Jack, uh, you know I don't send out compliments just to send out compliments, but I'm going to say this before I ask my final question to you, and I, and I mean this, I truly mean this, uh, and I know you're valuable to the Yes Network in studio, but you should be on the broadcast team. I, I, I don't run the network, but uh, if I did, you would be in the booth with everybody else because I think you bring so much to the table when you're around the team and when you're in the booth. So having said that, let me just ask you this final one. Uh, the Yankees, one and six against the Rays. They're still not 100% health but how important is this three-game set upcoming, uh, not only just for obvious reasons like the standings, but mentally for this team moving forward because they're they're going to face these these guys when when and if we get to the playoffs. So how 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 big is this mentally moving forward? Very kind of you, first of all, to say that, Chris. Paul O'Neill's got his basement. I'll do it from my attic, though. I want to be called Jack's <laughs> attic. That's where I'm going to be contributing from. <laughs> no, um. Chris, it, it goes without saying, and you, you guys know this as well as I do, and, I, and I'm sure Nelly, there are times during his career where feels as if a team has your number, and, and that's what it feels like with the Yankees and the Rays this year. I mean, they've beaten them six out of seven games, and I've said this a couple times on our broadcast. There's a, there's a familiarity, not a fear, when the Rays face the Yankees. The Rays believe they are better than the Yankees and can beat the Yankees. This isn't the, the little team from St. Pete with the low payroll that's trying to scrape things together. That is who they are, but they are also the team that brings a ton of pitching at you, even though they have a, a bunch of players who are on the I.L. Their lineup is resourceful, and I think probably guys better than any team in Major League Baseball. They utilize their talent so Definitely. What what they have, they know how to use. Everybody has a role. You look up and down that lineup, and and, and you're not floored. I mean, I, I know Lau is having a terrific year, and I know there are, there are other tough outs in that lineup. Austin Meadows, even Choi seems to really put together good at-bats against the Yankees. But they are just a team that really, to me, exemplifies the word team. And if you're the Yankees, here's a chance to make a little statement. There are only a couple games behind them in the loss column. I know it's three and a half, I believe, overall in the standings. But if you can dent into that for the next three days, if you're the Yankees, maybe you send a little message towards St. Pete. All right, Nelly. All right, Jack. Jack Curry. You can follow him on Twitter at Jack Curry. Yes, um, Jack, you're so good. We could talk baseball for hours with you, but unfortunately, we don't have hours. We only have about 20 minutes. So we appreciate the time and we look forward to watching you on the pre and post game show for Yes. Thanks a lot for coming on. We appreciate it, buddy. Here's the payment I want for doing this show, though. At some point when things are more normalized, my dream has always been to try and hit Jeff Nelson's slider in wiffle ball. So that's where we're going with this. Chris and I want I want to see what you're bringing on the wiffle ball side too Chris because I know you post videos of pitching to your daughter so when we get back to some level of normalcy even if it's in the yes network parking lot we're going to play a little wiffle ball done sounds Jack. good so right. I was going to say you can enjoy us you can join us for the steak dinner that uh Jake and Figure, Figueroa owe us from them betting us uh the, you know who's going to win anymore I mean it's always I a Mets that fan a Mets fan great. always talks crap and they wind up way before the series is even over and guess what happens stop adding to the tag the come on these are expensive stop adding people onto this <laughs> <laughs> thanks guys take care
That's a wrap for episode 23. Obviously, the Don Mattingly episode of the Pinstripe Pod, our New York Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown for producing the show. Make sure to subscribe to the Pinstripe Pod wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're using Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating and write a positive review in. We appreciate your support as always. For Jeff Nelson, Jake Brown, the ranting and raving lunatic Met fan, I'm Chris Sheeran. We'll be back on Thursday following the Yankees' final three games this season against the AL East leading Rays. Talk to you all then. Stay safe.